As the so-called woke virus infects so many aspects of our society, from government to education to all walks of life, even Hollywood, the question is, how do you woke-proof your life? Well, today, we're going to talk about how to do that, and we're going to specifically look at a wonderful book by an author named Teresa Mull about how to woke-proof your life, a manual about how to do that. A clear path forward requires looking back and learning. Good public policy requires human connection. It's a consideration of the facts, applying common sense, and innovation. It's urban. It's rural. It's real life. We all have something to contribute. We all have a responsibility to get informed because there's a little piece of Canada in all of us, isn't there? Let's learn on this path together. This is Leaders on the Frontier. So welcome, Teresa Mull. Thank you for having me. Well, Teresa, it's a pleasure to have you as a guest. Uh, you have written for just about everybody from the New York Times to uh, the Miami Herald to uh, the Heartland Institute, uh, a sister tank, sister think tank, pardon me, to the Frontier Center. So it's an honor to have you. And I loved your book. I thought it was readable. It was so relevant to really every aspect of our lives. And one, one of the things I really appreciate about it is it had this um, I thought a very insightful, dare I say, quality of wisdom all through the book. So I think, um, you know, you, you reflect a lot about how precious uh, time is in our life. So I really appreciated the book and I recommend it to everybody. And so my question to you is, why did you write this book? There are a few different reasons I wrote this book and inspirations, I would say. Um, first and foremost, I personally was pretty fed up with society and culture. I think back to when I was a kid, things were much more pleasant. I feel like Americans had a lot more in common than not. It was a civil society. We could debate things, but at the end of the day, we were still all pretty much friends and talking about politics and religion was considered rude. Now, of course, I feel like in the last three years, especially since the COVID pandemic, we're all pitted against one another. We're forced to take sides and every aspect of our life, you have to choose a socio-political cause, essentially. Every time you do something as simple as going to the grocery store or trying to enjoy a, a football game or things like that, we're constantly being preached at. Yeah. And I'm pretty exhausted by all of that. I don't like thinking or looking at my neighbors as somebody I'm competing with or that is a potential enemy. Yeah. So I really wanted to get back to that more peaceful, civil, kind way of viewing one another more as neighbors mm -hmm. and fellow citizens and patriots than as uh you know kind of a, a, a competitor or an enemy so that was that was the uh, motivation I guess um and I wanted to help my fellow Americans discover what I've uh, found here I live in a rural small town and we're pretty woolproof here and I've learned a lot from moving back to my hometown and I wanted to share my insights with others who um who maybe live somewhere that's more woke well that's great I, I like the way you summarize um, yeah, let's be fellow citizens and let's be kind and, dare I say, tolerant to each other. So there's a kind of an irony to this where, yeah, it seems almost like there's a kind of a small select group that's trying to preach at us at every corner and it has this kind of edgy feel to it. So maybe we could just back up before we kind of dive through the book a little bit. If we talk about what is wokeism, because um, I, I think a lot of people don't have 
really any clue what wokeism is, and it has a particular history and story to it. But what is wokeism? Yeah, I offer a couple of definitions. In the book, I have the uh, more lengthy definition, which is a socio-political ideology that is characterized by the manipulation of noble goals for the control and destruction of society uh, by radical left-wing zealots. Yes, okay. that's the long-winded version. <laughs> but to shorten that down, I would say that it is uh, political correctness on steroids. Okay. There's nothing really new about wokeness other yeah. than the um, aggression by which it has really taken off in the last few years. But the basic concepts of the movement are the same old progressive talking points and uh, methods, agendas, policies, things that we've seen for decades now. It's a form of evil. Evil has been around forever. It always wow. will be around so long as okay. we're in a fallen world. It just kind of has some updated terminology, yeah. um, which I discuss in the book is certainly on purpose. Okay. These woke masterminds are clever and they use these terms that are really vague a smoke wow. screen to try to trick us, including the word woke, which is confusing, but... Yeah. No, it, it, it's fascinating. The use of words, and then you have this whole dimension, and you use the word, if I, if I heard you correctly, aggressive, and an intent to destroy society as we know it. I mean, those are, that's kind of, I would think for some people, or at least I think for many Canadians, they would find that a little bit of a revelation, like, whoa, these people are... I thought they were about kindness and diversity and tolerance and all the rest, but you're saying something else. No, they, they've got another agenda here. Is that is that what you're getting at? Absolutely, yeah. Um, the woke agenda is really sinister. They use these really nice sounding, gentle terminology, these talking points, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It sounds very nice. The LGBT movement is mm -hmm. rainbows and cheerful parades and all these happy things. Right. Um, environmental, social governance. That all sounds really positive. And those are positive things. But whenever you pull back the curtain and look at what the true agenda is, look at who's benefiting by the woke movement and what the woke movement actually brings about. It's all rotten fruits. It's nothing wow. good. It's pitting us against one another. I mean, look at look at our society, look at our culture. Does it seem that uh, just, you know, a trip to the airport, does it seem like people are happier? Are they more content? Yeah. Uh, do they have purpose? Do they have peace? No, people are alienated. They're divided. They're angry. And uh, the more wokeness takes off, the more we become that way, the more miserable mm -hmm. we all are. Well, I thought, frankly, in the book, I thought you did a brilliant job overviewing that. And, and But again, it's a very readable way. You even have humor in the book. Um, but as someone who's um, fortunately or unfortunately had to study this stuff going back a long time, um, I, you know, seen the history. And those words come out of very particular histories that go back decades, and they were very purposely developed. So um, I guess what I'm trying to do is the I, I leave it to the audience to figure out, you know, where they kind of come out on these things. But that is the reality of that history and the facts of that, that kind of language. So I think that's a very brilliant summation of where we're at. So when I look at the book, um, I guess one of the questions is, what do we mean then by woke? Like, why is it ironic? Like, why would they use the word woke to be kind of like, well, yes, I'm awake, but what what do we mean then by wokeness within the movement of wokeness? Yeah, well, woke, again, is a vague term in itself. It basically means that you're not sleeping. So what they're implying with this word 
is that if you are not woke, then you are kind of turning a blind eye to quote unquote social justice or mm. to all of these harms that they say are going on in the world. So if you're not woke, like what, you don't care about your fellow citizens, you're not driven to improve the world. It's kind of a, a subtle guilt trip, I would say, by saying, no, I'm not woke. I, I don't care about the world, whatever. One of the most important things for people to realize if they don't read the book, just remember this, that a, a sample sentence that Google used for a long time, you can still find it. Um, whenever you Google, what is the definition of woke is we need to stay angry and stay woke. Uh, you see that all over the internet as a simple sentence. And I want to know why does stay angry come first? It says wow. in the Bible that anger leads to nothing good. You know, mm -hmm. it's not it's not good to be angry. Of course, there's such a thing as a righteous anger, but we don't seek out anger for the sake of being angry. Mm -hmm. So it seems as though the woke crowd is a group of people who are already angry in their life. They they're, uh, have an emptiness about them and they're seeking to justify it. So a lot wow. of what you see in wokeness is people desperate to fill some sort of hole in their life. And they come up with all these different causes and, um, you know, punish others basically to fill themselves up, to make themselves feel, wow. feel better. Yeah. And when has it been healthy to constantly being like healthy people are not constantly angry, are they? Right. No. And I mean, for people who aren't religious, if you look at just the science of anger and what it does to your blood pressure, increases the likelihood of stroke, of heart attack, of all of these terrible things, you know, there are clear signs that that being angry and having this sort of combative attitude and mindset all the time mm -hmm. is just not how humans biologically, evolutionarily are, uh, are meant to be. Yeah. So if you are constantly, um, you know, have this, I call it a head hunt of other people, what is that doing to your health? Yeah. I mean, just personally, but then also to the society and community that you inhabit. Right on. And, and hence the purpose and importance of your book. Um, I first came across these kind of edginess of wokeness, so to speak, and, and this kind of bizarre social justice uh, movement in the bowels of universities years ago. Um, and it was always seen as, as kind of like this, you know, hyper-political correctness. And it was actually seen as a threat to academic freedom. But it, it kind of morphed um, from a number of years ago into something that's very extreme today. It has a lot of um, hate attached to it. And what I find interesting then is the question, how did how did it become that extreme from your point of view? Do you have a, a theory on why it's gone to a whole nother hyper level? And it's very, I would say, intolerant. Like it's totalitarian in nature. It's very, many aspects of it uh, are very anti-democratic. Like it's, it's almost bizarre as you dive into it and peel the onion to this. So what, what's your theory and why it became so extreme, Teresa? Yeah, I have a couple of theories. Um, I kind of pin the modern version of wokeness or political correctness, this modern progressivism, back to the sexual revolution whenever we started to get away from God and our Christian values and just to normalize, you know, sex outside of marriage and, and gay marriage and kind of mixed families and all these sorts of things. Um, and I think that's when we really started to normalize the objectification of other people, which if you look at the way wokeness manifests itself, it's all about objectifying people. What color is your skin? What sex are you? Or what do you identify as? Like, it's kind of the more, um, I guess, unique that you are, the more woke points you score, but it's all about pretty much 
things on the exterior that most people can't really help. Um, so you go back to the objectification of people and as that's grown. And then more recently, um, you know, as we get away from those Christian values, again, I cite in the book uh, a poll from Gallup that shows our belief in God as a country keeps going mm. down and down and down. Mm -hmm. And wokeness keeps going up and up and up. It's kind of, again, going back to that emptiness that people feel inside themselves, their purpose, if they don't have one, if they don't have these values, they're searching to fill it up with something. And then I think COVID really set a, a set the stage for the gloves to come off, so to speak, for wokeness, because uh, during COVID, of course, many of us were stuck at home, we were ordered to uh, be in lockdown. And all a lot of us had or resorted to anyway, uh, to fill that time was our screens. Mm -hmm. And I said another study in the book that shows how screen time is an kind of a hidden um, problem that uh, a hidden crisis of the COVID pandemic. So a lot of people spend a lot of time on their screens, absorbing a lot of propaganda, you look at who controls uh, mainstream media and uh, certainly social media that a lot yes. of people are addicted to spending hours and hours and hours consuming that stuff. And most of that is is brainwashing. It's woke propaganda. So mm -hmm. I think that over the past three years, as we've absorbed so much of this, spent so much time consuming so much media, that wokeness really was able to infiltrate, infiltrate our minds and our hearts and our souls. It comes into our homes, into our children, um, you know, all these different ways. So it's kind of a long-winded way of saying, you know, it started way back with the sexual revolution yeah. and it's just snowballed. Um, people have lost lost traditional values and replaced mm -hmm. it with these modern ones. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the people who are kind of the puppet masters controlling the the progressive strings are becoming more and more desperate for more power, more yeah. control. We know it corrupts. They're becoming more corrupt. So wokeness gets gets mm -hmm. more insane. So it's kind of a long-winded way of saying, you know, it started way back with the sexual revolution yeah. and it's snowballed. Um, people have lost lost traditional values and replaced mm -hmm. it with these modern ones. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the people who are kind of the puppet masters controlling the the progressive strings are becoming more and more desperate for more power, more yeah. control. We know it corrupts. They're becoming more corrupt. So wokeness gets gets mm -hmm. more insane. Right. So that's, that's going to be a challenge for people to understand and wrap their head around. In terms of uh, public policy, we tend to look at maybe a slightly different language in the sense that there are these values and public policy is really downstream from culture. So the, the culture, the kind of behaviors, how we treat each other um, have a big bearing on what kind of public policy we do. But there's another relationship as well where you can make different public policy decisions that change and morph the culture. And I think that's part of your point as well and, and really saying, hey, um, open your eyes to what's going on and be awake in another way, ironically from <laughs> the term woke. So anyways, um, the point is that culture does matter and uh, technology is playing a big role. And there's a lot of organizations as well that are being funded actively by you know, by whom? Like, because when you think of, of, you know, who's helping to orchestrate this culture, who are the groups that are really kind of leading us to this uh, different uh, land where so many people are angry and, and maybe not even happy anymore? Yeah, at the top, I mean, we have so many woke corporations, the Jeff Bezoses of the world, mm -hmm. the Bill Gateses, the Mark Zuckerbergs, 
Um, you know, these people who are extremely rich and powerful want to be even more rich and powerful. And once you get to that point, you, uh, you're you used to getting your way and you want to control the world. It's very tempting when mm -hmm. so many people use your products and services and rely on you and, and you have uh, so much ego and you're corrupted to that point that you want to start dictating what the world looks like. And that's exactly what we see. Um, and yeah, so I have a big a list in the book of the worst woke corporations and it's really daunting and there's a big umbrella a lot of mm -hmm. these are big umbrella uh, companies that mm -hmm. own so many products and uh, and provide so many services that we rely on every day and that have become staples in our culture um, so I encourage people that whenever they look to boycott these places to <laughs> try to keep their spirits up, you know, don't throw yeah. up your hands and say, <laughs> oh, well, there's no use in boycotting any of these because I'm never going to make a dent. We saw what happened here in America with Bud Light. Um, and remember that there's ways that you can micro boycott. And there's certainly still plenty of non-woke and also neutral companies that you can you can uh, purchase from. Yeah, I think your book kind of in a, in a really healthy way. Um, invites us not to be naive about kind of what's going on. And, and you have to make up that decision. But, you know, in light of the Twitter files, you know, the revelation that there's all these 18 ag agencies systematically censoring so many things on, on every topic imaginable, that's a very important revelation. But also I think the world of uh, TikTok is another one where we've got the Chinese version in China that talks about... Um, the glorious heroes of the Communist Party of China and its history and patriotism. But the TikTok version in the West is totally different. It's about all kinds of things that arguably undermine the values and culture that you spoke about. It's really quite amazing. So technology is very important, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny that we, not funny, haha funny, but, you know, interesting that we know all these things. We know that about the Twitter files and what happened in that case. We know that the Chinese allow our teenagers and our young people to watch all of these videos that are just, you know, making us so unhealthy. Um, but yet we're still addicted. We're still, we're still eating the junk food, the garbage yeah. that comes in through our screens. And this is how ha this happens to adults as well, the way that technology is impacting us physically, not to mention spiritually, mentally, um, emotionally. Right on. Yeah. I like the point that you make. Why would you consume so much junk food in your mouth <laughs> when you'd also take the same care about what kind of junk goes into your mind? I mean, it's just, it's so powerful. Yeah. So one of the things I really liked about your book, uh, is you talk eloquently about the importance of words, um, and understanding words. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so going back again to like the diversity, equity, inclusion, um, those are all positive things, right? Um, it's good to have a, um, a a different perspective in the form of people who come from different backgrounds to contribute to the workplace, things like that. Um, but what the woke does is take these positives, these noble goals, as I put it, and they manipulate them. So. And, and then they use them as kind of bully clubs. So again, if you're not woke, then you don't care about society. Um, and then they they use this language 
to really beat us up and to bully us with it. Um, so what we need to remember is that, of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion are good things in, in their true sense. But the woke don't care about truth. They care about getting ahead. They care about having more stuff, more power, more money mm -hmm. than you do. Um, so we, that's where we pull back the curtain and we look at this, these terms as mere smoke screens and we see, okay, yes, diversity is good, but how do you go about achieving diversity? Mm -hmm. Oh, you teach kids in first grade that white people are evil and that mm. the black kids in the class deserve cupcakes, but they don't like that's that's where the, the rotten fruit comes about and okay. who's who's going to gain from this who's going to gain from the diversity some white professor at harvard who is <laughs> coming up with this um critical race theory curricula um so you really have to peel back the layers of the mm -hmm. onion and see how wokeness is brought about and what it achieves wow. and uh and and realize that the language they use is just <laughs> just to distract you <laughs> And again, to, to bully you if you don't go along with the program. So it's a revelation in your book that essentially you were saying how they are manipulating our sense of compassion and fair play. Like any Canadian, I mean, we pride ourselves almost to a fault of being nice people. Um, mm -hmm. Like we'll go into an elevator and apologize if, we, if, if someone steps on our own foot. I mean, it's absurd. So they're manipulating our compassion, aren't they, Teresa? In a way, they really are. It's uh, it's like an emotional assault. It's it's really yeah. They kind of remind me of like a really bad boyfriend or a really bad girlfriend, like a narcissist yeah. manipulator, right. like textbook. Yeah. Um, and you can never do anything right. You know, if you go along with the DEI right. program, you don't go along with it enough. It's not enough just to be a lesbian. You have to be mm -hmm. um fluid. Yeah. Um, we actually have seen some more, I don't know if this is even a term, but like traditional lesbians getting upset at the LGBT right. movement or the transgender movement because yeah. they feel like their toes are being stopped. It's like this whole absurd right. thing. And you can never be woke enough. You can never grovel enough. Um, you can never, yeah, you can never have too many identities or whatever it is. It's just getting out of hand. And I think they're really going to undo themselves yeah. because the absurdity just reaches a certain point where it's it's unsustainable. Exactly. Well, what I find is the irony is that you're using terms like diversity, equity, and inclusion um, under the guise of somehow being anti-racist. And meanwhile, all the, 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 the predicate of what they're talking about is actually racist, isn't it? Because we should be treating people based on merit and equally, but that's not what they're about then. So there's a kind of a an ideological divide here that's maybe hard to understand, right? This is why your book is so important, is that you got to understand that there's people who really want to be kind and, com and, and, and compassionate to each other and, and fair, but there's a whole other group that want to revolutionize the world. They want to destroy it, um, and so they want to get into conflict because that's how they're going to drive change. They want to create that friction. Is that right, Teresa? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, going back to the DEI initiatives, you look at how those are brought about, and it's all about paying attention to your skin color. It's all about pitting people people against yeah. one another. It's about segregation, really, right. is yeah. what they're bringing back. Horrible. And yeah, 
and it causes such discord uh, in the workplace and in, in academia. There's yeah. a study about how it actually kind of forces people to ascribe <laughs> to certain um, racial norms, quote unquote, because they feel pressure to do so because they're like, oh, you're part of the African-American um, section of this school. So you have to go sit with the African-Americans and know, act as an African-American does, whatever that means, which of course isn't a thing. It's just, that's, that's what this whole movement is bringing yeah. about focusing on our differences. And I love to go back to Martin Luther King Jr., who of course famously said that uh, we should be judged by our character, the content of our characters and not the color of our skin. And exactly. here we are, how many years late after he was assassinated for all this civil yeah. rights, um, amazing civil rights movement that he brought about, and they are focusing on skin color, on exactly. sexual identity, quote unquote, on all of these things. So it's really, it boggles the mind. It, it is incredible. So that's maybe, frankly, another thing that would be confusing to people. They're really not about the vision of civil rights or equity uh, by Martin Luther King Jr. This is something different. This is about really destroying society. And uh, it's really, a, a, frankly, another form of racism. It's kind of bizarre. So why are so many kind, dare I say, uh, Canadians and I'll th even throw in Americans falling for this stuff? Like, why, why, are we, why are we being sucked into this tide of wokeism? How can we be so asleep? I think there's a couple things that are going on here. I think for one is that most of us are polite. We are kind. We want yeah. to go along to get along. We don't like controversy. Yeah. Um, I think I might be part Canadian because I would be one of the pe per people who apologizes for someone else stepping in my foot. Like I hate controversy more than anything. Right. Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to have to fight people. So I think a lot of us are just like, oh, we'll just grin and bear it. I'll just go to the stupid diversity training. I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Mm -hmm. um, but meanwhile, the power hungry, angry people are the ones who are beating us down. Down and we're like, right. okay, like you can, you can have your way, whatever we'll give in because we don't want to have to fight. We just want to live our lives, love our family, mm -hmm. have a fulfilling career, do all those things that we've been doing until wokeness forced us to fight. Um, and it used to be, and I'm still, there's still plenty of people out there who have a more libertarian attitude who are kind of like, I don't care what you do. If you do it in the privacy of your own home, just don't bother me about it. Um, but now they are bothering us about it. Now they are forcing it into our public schools, making our children woke. Um, so I think I think people are waking up in, in a good way and pushing back finally because it's gotten to the point that we can't just sit back and be polite about it anymore. Um, I think also the other reason that wokeness has taken hold is because people are busy living their lives, trying to pay yeah. their bills through all these things, and they just see ESG or um, critical race theory. And they have, again, these such vague uh, terms that they're like, oh, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. They shrug their shoulders, go about their yeah. day. Like, oh yeah, of course, love is love. Why Why not just let that person um, be whatever he wants? You know, that it doesn't bother me. And they don't realize mm -hmm. what what is really going on because again, it's been sold so well and packaged up so nicely um, that people fall for it. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And people are trying to make a living as you say, so they're busy. I, I, I get it. And the other thing. Another, that, well, just one more uh, thing I would also uh, add is that um, 
people are also afraid because they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to be called a xenophobe or homophobe or racist or sexist or any of these things. And again, that just shows how weak the woke argument is, is you, you disagree with them or you try to push back, you're canceled. You get your, uh, your Facebook account disabled for hate speech or whatever it is, you know, you get censored. So that's another reason people People don't want to be labeled any of those things, and they're true, but it's still, it's a very powerful tactic. But the woke are pretty pathetic because intellectually, they don't have a debate. They don't want a debate. They'll just call you a name and basically try to act as a bully Mm -hmm. to to move you into submission. I mean, it's really absurd. I mean, I think the other side to it, though, Teresa, is that they've played a long game. Uh, You know, you and I have both studied this for for years, Uh, but... um, the game was to go through the, the, the institutions and uh, start teaching those kids and the universities are chock full, especially in the humanities, with these people. I mean, that is the, the sad reality. So uh, that begs other serious questions about what is the purpose of universities. Um, mm-hmm. So in this case, though, one of the things I really like is that you, you cite this ideological divide in the book and you've got some very... Um, practical suggestions on how we can uh, de-woke our lives. So what would be the top list out of your book? Because I tell you, you've got a long list of them and I really like them. Thank you. Yeah. So um, as a religious person, I see a lot of, as I mentioned before, wokeness coming into our lives as people lose faith, as they get away from those traditional values and they feel lost and purposeless and lonely and just kind of adrift in the world. So um, I encourage people to seek God um, and to seek maybe a church community and to get involved in a community and and have uh, a life that prioritizes something outside of yourself. Wokeness is so reliant on people being self-centered, caring about me, me, me. What do I deserve? What did, how did you insult me? You know, it's mm-hmm. all about right. the self. So even if you don't believe in God, just, you know, and again, I, I have plenty of studies in there scientifically that shows how getting out in your community, being civically involved improves society and improves you personally in every single way. People who do this are happier, healthier, mm-hmm. and more optimistic. And we certainly need more of that. So so regardless of your background, whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, or not a faith of all, you're saying, look at your higher purpose, look at the divine look at the higher purpose of your life. And I think that's foundational, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I realize that not everybody believes in God or has been exposed to any sort of um, belief in, in a higher being. But I kind of ask people, you know, what do you have to lose? Maybe say a prayer, maybe visit a church with a, with a friend or ask that Mm -hmm. person to pray with you and for you, you know, just explore that, give it a chance because, you know, look what wokeness is offering you. It's making us all more miserable. So maybe try, I say that defeating wokeness will require uh, an equal and opposite reaction to every crazy thing they do. So if they are are, are pushing you to be so self-centered and anti-God and anti-Christian, maybe try all those things they're telling you not to and see if that will undo the misery. 
Um, also, of course, limiting our, our technology, our screen time is something that I'm really big on, getting away from those woke forces that are so uh, prominent on social media and in the mainstream media. We know that uh, social media and spending time on screens in general leads to higher rates of anxiety, stress, and depression. Mm -hmm. So getting out in nature, really these simple things that we have been doing since um, humans <laughs> came into being, but yeah. in the last you know, several years as we our technology really advances, we become more uh, sedentary, more indoors, and despite social media's name, less social as we spend less time with one another in person, and that's lead to increased alienation, isolation, and wokeness. <laughs> so when you look at uh, the kind of movies that you drink in, I know there's a myriad of subscriber networks, and, and some of them are, are very woke. Um, but I know there's some really good choices of subscriber networks. One of them that we're affiliated with is, is called the Corco Network, which, I mean, there's some really good networks out there, but you have to look for them. Is that right, Teresa? Yes, yeah. Um, I also encourage people to make their home a refuge for the world weary, that's a mouthful, but make it a place that whenever you come into your home, there's no wokeness going on to refresh yourself, to refresh your soul, to have all of these influences to remind you that as few as three years ago, life was normal, life was healthier. I mean, of course, there's always, as we said, have been evils around, but you know, we weren't arguing about what is a woman or uh, should mm -hmm. a biological male be swimming on the women's team or mm -hmm. chest feeding, quote unquote, you know, all of these crazy things that just seem yeah, to spring up in the last few years. <laughs> um, make your home a place where those don't exist, kind of shut it out. Of course, they're, they're going to be out there when you mm -hmm. step outside the door, but at least for those few hours that you're your home you can relax yeah. and be sane and surround yourself with books that have not been through sensitivity screeners right. <laughs> and watch old movies that had you know traditional marriage and family yeah. values and all those beautiful things artwork things like that right. and invite your friends over and your family and and make a community where you can all enjoy each other as we were meant to do before wokeness infiltrated and, and tried to ruin our lives so i like that in the book you emphasize about simplifying your life um celebrating those traditional values that are so important. And I think it was also interesting that you dared to talk about locating strategically in the country where you think you can find that kind of um, solid uh, community. So you're not, you're maybe not as big a fan of, about big cities. Is that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would that be fair? That is certainly fair. I am uh, notoriously a small town rural girl. I understand um, and appreciate that not everybody is that way. And of course, you can have a woke-proof life, even if you're living in the big city. Sure. Again, I have plenty of studies in there about how living out in the country, or at least somewhere that's uh, that there are fewer people, how you, um, you get, you're more likely to call your neighbor your friend if you live out in the country than if you live in the city. Um, I don't think that that humans really thrive as as they should in a big city mm -hmm. but again of course you can you can make anything work if you really strive to do it um but yeah i, I encourage people wherever they live to find a community of like-minded individuals and to really cultivate um a community that uh, makes you better makes you more woke proof and resilient and it's easier much easier to do that when you have friends and family supporting you and you can help your your fellow woke proofers do that as well. And, and it can be a lot of fun. Exactly. Um, I also like the way you shop. 
Uh, can you tell us more about how you recommend that in the book? We think about how much we have in this day and age and how much we have access to. And you look at that relatively small list, I mean, comparatively to the big woke list and, and the, the list of alternatives. And that would have been like 50 years ago. That would have been like unimaginable. You think about mm -hmm. like how many cereal options we have yeah. this day. Like our, our world is so wealthy mm -hmm. and prosperous and just the amazing options that we have. So um, I want people to to put things in perspective. And I I find that being forced kind of uh, to, to boycott these woke corporations opens up kind of an exciting challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up boycotting various um, corporations for being pro-abortion, things like that. So yeah. I'm kind of used to that mindset right. to become more self-sufficient, to kind of go hunting, to thrift stores, um, to repurpose things, to to pull out your grandma's old kitchen table from the attic and mm -hmm. give it a fresh coat of paint and have these experiences that make our lives richer rather than just like clicking twice and getting your Amazon Prime delivery the next day on your doorstep. You know, how, yeah. how much fun is that? That's really boring. So you shop local. That's a theme that you bring up. And I think that's dynamite. Let's support um, our fellow neighbors and citizens as they strive to operate successful small businesses. And if they're great, why wouldn't we support them? Yeah, you know, it's something people will complain like, oh, but then I have to make three trips instead of just going to Walmart and getting everything. I ever It'll be cheaper if I go to Walmart. I find mm -hmm. that, yes, that might be true, but uh, you know, is it really worth it to, if you're funding something that is destroying your society and mm -hmm. maybe you'll have to cut back on a few things, maybe you'll have to do without here and yeah. there, but if you're doing all these other things, you're putting down your phone, you're developing hobbies, you're going, getting out and about, you're volunteering, you're spending time at church or whatever it is in your different clubs and groups, mm -hmm. um, you're not going to need as much stuff. And I talked to a guy in there who has been woke proof since before woke was even a concept and he's been living that way for forever. And he's like, your life can be really simple and happy and satisfying if you just live in this kind of throwback uh, style that um, prioritizes people and um, being outside and doing things rather exactly. than just doom scrolling and buying stuff. Right on. You know, one of the parts I like about your book as well is that you really put into perspective the importance of social connection, strong families, strong communities, volunteering. Um, and in that way, like the whole absurd situation of lockdowns over COVID-19 was really, really hard on people, it did a lot of damage to people, especially on children and mental health and all the rest. So how, how do you advise that we really build uh, better social connections with, uh, who is it again? Oh yeah, fellow human beings. Uh, how do we do that? Yeah, well, to your point, you know, you look at how COVID pitted us against one another. It really set people against each other and had a really devastating impact on our psyche that I don't think we've recovered from. So yes, I advise people, again, church is a great place to start. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think that you can form a community, even if you're not ideologically identical with other people, but go to the local coffee shop and and get to know the people who work there and chat with them and you'll get to know the regulars who go there every morning and you can form a bond with them and then you know i joined a local sportsman's club here a few years ago when i moved back home and i'm friends with all those guys there we don't talk about politics we we talk about oh my gun isn't working properly today or oh i'm tired or oh what do you think about this weather or what are you doing this weekend mm -hmm. and like you know it really it takes you out of having to talk about wokeness mm -hmm. at all so you can be civil, you can be friends with a diverse, 
again, diversity with a diverse set of people, but you don't have to talk about it all the time. And that's really what we need to get back to is respecting one another and caring about one another rather than just having that kind of COVID mentality of, oh, I don't trust this person because he's vaccinated or vice versa. You know, it can be simple, yeah. um, but you got to start somewhere. But get involved and be a leader in your context. And that's a really uh, good part of the book. And I, I think also what I like is that in many respects, your book, Teresa, has a very timeless, um, wise insight in the sense that you're, you're really putting everything on the table. You're not only looking at the material, how you shop and, and even where you live, but it's really in your heart and your soul in a way that is looking at the whole person here. Because a lot of wokeism, as we've talked about earlier, is really about hatred. It's about thinking the worst of each other in the most cynical way, rather than thinking of the best of each other and, and looking with hope. That's a key principle of your book, is it not? It really is. Yeah, I really, I like to simplify things. I like to to make things make sense in my own brain and be logical. And I, I'm always, I'm constantly kind of diluting things down to the simplest point so I can make sense of this world in my own small mind. Um, so I always get back to why am I here? What am I doing? What's, what's the point of my life? What do I want it to look like when I'm on my deathbed, I'm looking back, like, did I live a life that I wanted to live? Did I have a purpose? Did I, um, you know, fulfill the, did I use the skills and talents I was gifted with in a way that benefited the world? And I think a lot of people, if they look at their day to day, uh, will not, will not say yes to those things. And um, I, I ask people, you know, there's, there are lots of romantic comedies and dramatic songs and things, which I love that talk about like, oh, if you knew you only had a week to live, like, what would you do? You wouldn't be on the internet, like combating some internet bot about wokeness or, yeah. or any of these things. <laughs> you would be spending time with your family. You'd probably be strengthening your spiritual life. You'd be, you know, spending time enjoying the flowers and nature and, and time with your dog and, and all these things. So we need to remember like, each day is such a gift and time is so valuable and beautiful. We need to be spending it in a way that we're satisfied with when we get to the end of our lives, because that's really what it's all about. It's all about what, what what's the ending, <laughs> what's going to happen to us and, and why are we here? So keep that in mind. Well, right on and well said, Teresa. So what are the hope, what are the signs of hope that you see? Um, I know that you write for other publications, you're the editor of the, the World Spectator. Um, you you write uh, with Crisis Communications here, this wonderful book. But what are the signs of hope that you see? There have been a few polls, and they've been put out by uh, left-leaning, and that's generous. I think it was CNN, one of right. them that I saw, yeah. that only like a third of Americans identify as woke. And that's CNN, so it was probably more like one eight. I don't know. They probably exaggerated or or pulled their own readers. So so that's saying something. But apart from that, um, I go out into the world and talk to people in real life. I know that's crazy, but um, you know, whenever you whenever you do that, people aren't talking about wokeness. They're not. They don't want to be identified by their skin color or their hair color or their sex. For the most part, I mean, of course, there are people who who are again taken in by wokeness, but. 
the vast majority of people, again, they're, they're fed up with this. They just want to live their life in peace and happiness. We all pretty much want the same thing, except for the handful of, of power hungry, corrupt people at the top. But again, they're the ones who are controlling the narrative. They're the ones who own so much of the media that we're consuming. So uh, whenever you realize that, uh, and, and so much of the uh, supposed woke movement that's supposedly so powerful. Um, yes, it's well-funded. Yes, they're allowed. But I I don't think that, I think that's pretty much it. I think they're pretty hollow as far as their support goes. Um, and then on a kind of a more practical level, we saw what happened with, and what continues to happen with Bud Light um, whenever they had their transgender Dylan Mulvaney uh, spokesperson and just the backlash, continued back, backlash and rejection of that. We see the school choice movement here in America just skyrocketing. I saw a headline that this is the best year for school choice ever as more and more parents get fed up with wokeness that is taking over our public schools. Um, so yeah, just just a lot of hope. And then in, just in writing this book, it was so easy uh, to find people who are not woke, who are living every living examples of every single aspect and, and um and point that I wanted to make in this book, you know, on education, on gardening, on how to shop, all these things. I was like, well, I need people to talk to who, who can say I've been there, done that and provide guidance for people who also mm -hmm. want to live that way. And it was so easy to find them. You know, you talk to one person, they have five friends, they have those five people have five more friends. And it, it was just really easy to find people who are like-minded. So, um, you know, so much of wokeness is uh, attempting to make you feel that you're the only one, that you're right. crazy if, if you are and you're you're alone, but that's far from the truth. And I can certainly attest that from writing this book, I've I've met so many wonderful people, and people have reached out to me and said, "Me too, me too, me too." So we just need to unite and all will poof together and push back, and wokeness will go poof, and we'll forget it ever existed. Right on, Teresa Mull. So, how do we find your book? You can find it at sophiainstitutepress.com. It is, uh, again, as you said, the crisis publication um, imprint, but it's Sophia Institute is the, is the publisher. It's also sold at Amazon um, and Barnes and Noble and pretty much anywhere that you can get books. Well, it's a darn good book, Teresa Mole, and I want to thank you as author and a uh, commentator. It's been a delight to chat with you about uh, a manual to woke-proof your life. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier. Visit fcpp.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free. Comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.